ushers at this time if they would come this morning and receive this morning's tithes and offerings and immediately following uh, this, the tithes and offerings we'll do our meet and greet together and then jump right back into worship. Let's bow for prayer today. Lord, we thank you today for your love, mercy, and grace. And we ask today, Lord, that you would bless this offering we're about to receive. Bless the gift and the giver. Bless those that have to give and those that do not. If there's someone here today, Lord, that for some reason cannot give today, we pray that at some point in time, God, you would bless them so they would be able to give back to you. Lord, I pray that every note that is played, song that is sung, message that is given, be for the advancement and the upbuilding of the kingdom of God. We pray this in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all God's people together said amen. Amen. Well, let's join together in this time of meet and greet. God bless you. back to your seats. We're going to ask those that are leading scripture and prayer uh, to be making their way and immediately following the scripture and prayer. Uh, we're going to uh, have Sister Lila Faye come this morning and she's going to sing. So this time would you uh, remain worship together as Brother Marion comes to lead us in our scripture and prayer today. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. 
Beloved, now are we the sons of God, that does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Praise the Lord. I'd like to go to the Lord in prayer. There's a lot out today um, for many different reasons, a lot of sicknesses going on. But I believe we serve a God that's able to heal, deliver, and set the captive free. Father, in the name of Jesus, we praise you and we thank you, Lord, always for your love and mercy and grace. Father, we thank the Lord for this church body, Lord, that come together, Lord, to worship you, Lord, in spirit and in truth. Father, we pray, Lord, that you just have your way, Lord, among your people in this congregation. Father, we pray, Lord, that your spirit, Lord, will be refreshed, Lord, will be new in our lives, Lord. Lord, that we might lift you up, Lord. But, Lord, you said in your word, if we'll lift you up, you'll draw all men. Father, I pray, Lord, that the Holy Ghost would have his way. And, Father, we'll be careful to praise you and thank you for all that you do, all that's accomplished in the body of Christ. And, Lord, we'll praise you and thank you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. And praise the Lord.
again this morning. Let's join back in worship together. You may recognize this old gospel song from years gone by. Back in uh, 1957, uh, this song uh, has seemed to be copyrighted, and so we're going to sing this together.
in this house God we know that you're able to do exceedingly and abundantly above that which our minds can think or comprehend 
Father, I thank you today for the Spirit of God we feel in this house today. Father, Lord, there have been men and women, Lord, that have come today with heavy hearts. But God, you are in this place to meet the needs of your people. God, we thank you more than anything else that you are a good father, a faithful friend, but more importantly, God, all our lives, even when we haven't been faithful to you, God, you've been faithful to us. You've been there when no one else would. You stood by us when everyone else wouldn't. Every time we looked, Lord, we might have ran from you, but you've stood right beside us, and your goodness and your mercy has ran after us time after time after time again. Your love, your grace, and your mercy has followed us even when we made our beds in the depths of hell. You were there even when we didn't know to turn to the left or to the right. You were there even when we couldn't see your hand. You were there everywhere we have walked, everywhere we have trod. You have been there every step of the way. Father, we believe today that you are in this house, gathered with your people, to meet with your people today. Father, we worship you in this house today. We glorify the name of Jesus today. For Lord, all my life you have been faithful. All my life you've been good. All my life you have been so, so good. Every breath, with every breath that I I will sing. I will sing. Oh, with every breath we have, with every breath, with every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. I will sing, I will sing of the goodness of God. Oh, one more time, I will sing, I will sing of the goodness of For some of you in this place, over the last few months, breath has been important to you because you've had crud. We've got folks right now like Sister Ann and Brother James that are battling COVID. They wish they had breath in their lungs right now. There's people like Brother Dubby that had to be sent home. Thank the Lord he's doing much better, but had to be sent home in oxygen a couple weeks ago because he couldn't get enough oxygen and breath in his body. Some of you in this house, you may not have a lot of breath left, but I love that it didn't say in that song that as long as I have 100% oxygen level, I'll praise Him. It said with every breath I have left. I may only be running at 80%, but that's 80% I'm going to give God. I'm going to give Him 100% of my 80%. I may be running at 75%, but I'm going to give God 100% of my 75%. <laughs> I may not be running at 100% feeling today, but if I'm running at 60%, he's going to get 100% of my 60% feeling today. Amen. With every breath, with every, not some, every breath that I'm able. Listen, we've got people like Brother Barnes that drove all the way 44 miles one way over an hour from Johns Island, South Carolina. That's got limited mobility in his legs and his feeling, but he made every effort. Look, we're not in a hospital we're not in any kind of situation where we are dealing with being in a funeral home, planning a funeral today. You know what I'm saying? Come on, church. Act like you've been here before. Amen. You could be right now. I went twice this week, twice this week, tried in hospital to visit folks. There's not enough beds in the hospital 
to put people on the floor. There's not enough beds in the ER. In fact, the last person that I went and visited this week in the hospital, they were just pulled on the side of the wall with a makeshift tent put around them just to try to give them a little bit of privacy in the hallway. You could be there today. I could be there today. We could be at home right now fighting with COVID trying to find breath in our body, but you're not. Now you say, Pastor, I'm not feeling my best today. Well, it's better than the hospital sitting on a wall this morning. It's better than a funeral home this morning. It's better than on your bed of affliction and couldn't get up this morning. With every breath that I'm able. I can't tell you, but I know the old song says, I don't know what you came to do, but I came to praise the Lord. I'm telling you right now, today the preacher's not feeling 100%, but with every breath that I'm able, I'm going to sing of the goodness of God. Because he's been too good. I'm going to ask you really quick, let's give a hand to our band and to our singers today for their work. Thank you so much. I'm going to ask you to grab your Bibles. I'm going to ask you to grab your Bibles today. We want to make sure that we mention, I did forget to mention earlier, Vanessa and and Brother Brett, obviously they're not here because she's bedridden and she's due at any moment, at any time, at any place for baby Matthew. So she's praying for, asking us to pray for safe delivery and safe uh, uh, for her and the baby, a, a healthy process. If the baby doesn't come by, I think it's Tuesday or Wednesday, they will induce uh, for labor. But the baby is ready, it's turned, it's ready to, to go. We're just waiting on him to decide to let's go and start this show. But we want to make sure that we pray for them as well. I would ask you today uh, to pray for me. My voice has just went away this morning. I woke up this morning and uh, it's gone. So uh, I was driving on the way to the church this morning by myself because I normally am en route by myself to church. And I was riding in my car and I didn't have a lot of energy to talk vocally. Normally I talk to myself out loud because I like to hear what I had to say to make sure I said it right. But I uh, was riding in the car this morning and I said, Lord, I may not have a lot of wind in my body to preach, but until the voice just goes to Charlie Chaplin mode and I hand signal, we're going to preach it until it goes out. So we may, you may be praying, God, let it go out in five minutes. But as long as he'll give me strength, we're going we're gonna to hear the word of God today. I started a series with you called Sealed. I'm going to ask you to go to the book, the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation. And I'm going to be in chapter 5 today. We're going to be there for, for a little bit today and, and maybe even some next week. Because it's going to take a, a little bit of time to go through the exhaustiveness of this material. While you are turning there though, let me just quickly just uh, make one uh, uh, mention to you today. Or, or one quick, uh, if you will, plug or announcement to you today. That starting tonight... Uh, we will start a series on the tabernacle, the mosaic tabernacle of God. And we're going to walk through, it's about a 12-week Sunday night series, we're going to walk through the elements of the tabernacle, the brazen altar, the laver, the holy of holies, the table of showbread, uh, the golden candlesticks, the purpose of, of the way it was done with its, with its curtains and how it was set up and how the, everything was specifically in order it was set up and all the important elements of that. So if you can join us on Sunday night, it will be more of a teaching series. We'll have one song, maybe two songs of worship. The rest of the time will be a teaching series that we'll go through. If you can't join us, we will stream it live uh, online for you to be able to watch it at your convenience. But it's not the same as being in here, taking the notes, seeing it on the screen. So if you can make it, I think you'll really enjoy 
uh, understanding the principles behind uh, the Mosaic Tabernacle. And so we want to plug that just to let you know. Uh, Sister Melody will be leading that predominantly uh, in this series and teaching that. So you want to come uh, and support that if all possible. And it's a perfect week because I don't think I could have started it today if, if we didn't have help today. Revelation chapter 5, it's the very last book. I want you to look at what the writer said. I, I'm not going to add to or take away. I'm just going to let the word talk for itself today. L listen to what it says. I, John, this is John the Revelator, I saw at the right hand. If you know anything about biblical uh, understanding, the right hand was a sign of power. It, it was a sign of the, the strength. It was Most people are predominantly right-handed. Very few folks are left-handed. Most people are right-handed. And in the Bible times, the, every time they would describe the right hand, if you were going to pass a blessing to your son, you would always put them on the right side so your right hand could be on their forehead or on their, their face to, to pass the blessing. The right hand was the sign of blessing or the sign of power. John said, in the right hand of him who sat on the throne, I saw a scroll. On that scroll, there was writing inside of it, and there was writing on the outside of it. But notice the words. It was sealed. With seven seals. Now we're talking about still, we're still talking about the, the concept of sealed. That's, our, that's our, our series. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming, not with a whisper, with a loud voice, a shout. Who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seals? One translation I read said, who is worthy to take the scroll and break the seal? Break this in. Who can do it? And no one in heaven, nobody in heaven or currently on the earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or even to look at it. No one. So I, John, it bothered me and I began to weep. I was broken. Because no one was found worthy to open it and to read it. Or to even look upon it. But one of the elders. I love the conjunction but. B-U-T. Three letters but very powerful. It means something's happened. But when you see that word but. That means something's about to change. I was down and out. But God found me. I was lost. But God saved me. My marriage was falling apart, but God restored it. That but changes the whole moment in the story. But one of the elders said to me, don't you weep. Behold, there is one, the lion from the tribe of Judah, the root of David. He has prevailed over everything. He is able to open the scroll and to break the seven seals. Can I tell you, you came to the right place today, whatever you're going through. I may not can do it, and I may not can fix it, but there is one that is in heaven that is worthy to break the seals, break the bonds, break the yokes over your life. There is one in this house this morning that is from the Lion of the tribe of Judah, from the root of David. His name is Jesus Christ Elohim, the God that will prevail. He is the one that can break all everything Everything in your life he is able to break it today I want to preach to you on this idea the commander of the seals the commander of the seals let's pray together eternal father to the best of my ability hide me behind the cross of Calvary help me to decree and declare your word to your people help me God today God to, to hear from heaven and not to hear from self 
strengthen my voice today, Lord. Let us not be hearers of this word only, but doers thereof likewise. Father, I pray that this word would go forth and accomplish the task it is sent to do. Let it not fall on deaf ears. Take a coal from the altars of heaven and anoint these lips of clay that I may decree only your words, not my opinions be spoken. And I pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said amen. amen. You may be seated if you can today in the house of the Lord. It means nothing but Sister Tan, if you'll put just a little bit of me in this monitor so that way I feel like I don't have to work as hard this morning. To understand, we know that in military terminology, that there are different levels and rankings, if you will, in terms of hierarchy or the tiers of leadership. I want to tell you today that before on the onset of this message, before I really can unpack it to its exhaustive material, if you really don't pay attention to anything I say, I just want you to understand one major concept here. Whether you like it or not, and whether I like it or not, there is only one commander in God's army. Not everybody gets to be the commander-in-chief. There's only one that calls the shots. Now, we may not always like what our marching orders. When you're in the military and you have your commanding officers and those around you give you your marching orders, there are times when they say, all right, Brother Mike, you're going to be sent to Germany. You may not want to go to Germany, but you don't get a vote. They don't care about what you want. They send you your marching orders. They don't ask Brother Randy, Brother Randy, I think we're going to put you on a submarine and we're going to send you to Vienna, Austria. Well, I really wasn't wanting to go to Austria. We didn't ask you what you wanted. You better be there tomorrow on that boat and head out to sea. They don't ask how it makes you feel. They don't call your wife up and say, is this a good time to let him go? Some of the men are like, Phew. They don't. They don't ask, is this what you want? They give you an order and you have the job or the responsibility to follow orders. And if you choose to usurp the authority that's over you and not follow through with the law of the orders that have been given, there are repercussions and consequences for said actions. I want you to understand today, you don't have to do what this book says. You don't have to. But I'm telling you, there are repercussions and there'll be consequences for the fact that you don't follow his word. Now, I want you to understand, you may not like everything his word says, but he didn't ask if you liked it or not. You may not always agree with what he said, but his word is forever settled, not one dot, not one till of his word shall pass away. He didn't ask your opinion, it's still his word, it's fact, whether you like it or not. And you don't have to accept it. You don't have to follow the marching orders. But understand, if you choose not to, there are consequences for rebelling against his command. He's the commander of the seals. Satan has tried to shroud the understanding of the book of Revelation because it is a book that describes his impending doom and actually writes his obituary story. The book was never intended to be perplexing as it seems. The very meaning of Revelation means to unveil or to reveal. The key to understanding is actually found in Revelation chapter 1 verse 9 where John was instructed to write things which he saw, the things which are, and the things which are to come so people could understand what was coming down the road. In chapter 1, John the Revelator described the glory of God. In chapter 2 and 3, 
John the Revelator described the grace of God that was poured out in seven churches where God gave them opportunities to correct their behaviors. From chapter 4 to chapter 22, we see the impending future government of God and he establishes his kingdom forevermore. We see a throne. We hear of worship. We see the description of the tribulation on earth, the coronation of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and the arrival of the saints in heaven. In chapters 4 and 5, John is invited to walk through a proverbial open door. He sees the glorious throne of God and hears the thunderous sounds of worship. John observes that in the right hand of God, there's a book. It has a scroll. And in that book or on that scroll there is writing on both sides and it is sealed with seven seals if you know anything about biblical numerology the number seven is a number of divine completion or divine order six days God created the earth on the seventh day he rested it meant it was done it's completed it's finished so the number seven has divine correlation you see when we read that we know that it is talking about dominion over the earth in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 32, verse 9 through 15, and for time's sake, I won't read it. God instructs the prophet Jeremiah to go buy a piece of land. He says, I want you to go back to your homeland, and I want you to buy some property. I want you to pay the full price of the property, and I want you to get the title or the deed to said property. I want you to take that property, that deed to that, that title and deed to the property, I want you to take it to your kinsman and I want you to put it in an earthen vessel or jar. I want you to seal it and I want you to bury it. And this is going to be the reason I'm telling you to do this, Jeremiah, because I'm promising you that one day I'm going to bring you and your family back home from captivity. Jeremiah goes and buys, if you will, the proverbial deed and title. But it takes over 70 years before he actually gets the deed to his land clean and clear you know the number 70 isn't it interesting it's also a derivative of the number 7 it is 10 times 7 in fact God told him that it would be a testimony in Revelation chapter 5 God is revealing that whoever can claim the deed of heaven can control the earth there's a cry that booms forth who is worthy to open this book there's a dramatic pause in heaven. The suspense is building. There is no immediate response and therefore John falls down and begins to weep because no one would emerge. Why weep? Simply because John understood the entire agenda of God and the plan of the ages was about to cease if no one was worthy to break the scroll. John already had seen the resplendent Christ in chapter 1. He already had heard about the glorious churches and God's mercy to those churches in chapter two and, 2 and 3. He knows tribulation is coming. He knows there's a coronation to be in heaven. But all of that will suddenly stop if no one can take the scroll. It is amazing that once the Lamb, the tribe of Judah, the Lion of the tribe of Judah and the Root of David, once he finally grabs the scroll, the Bible says, and we didn't read it for time's sake, that he raises it up over his head. As to almost signify and signal, all is well. There is one. Immediately after he does that, the worship of heaven resumes. Even greater than it was before. 
the cries of the all creation cries out, Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. There's a couple things about this marvelous moment I want to point out to you. First thing I want to point out to you is look at the dreadful wickedness of the civilization. Notice it. He asked the question, who is worthy to open this book? The response came back, no one. There's not one person on the face of this earth that is able to do this. No one. No one is worthy. Isaiah, the prophet said it like this. Our best efforts, our holiness, our righteousness, our best efforts to the Lord are as filthy rags before his holy sight. No one is good enough. No one can do this. You got to notice a few things. One, you got to notice there's not a military hero standing up saying, I'll take a shot. There's not a politician in heaven trying to fix it. Hello, preacher. That's good preaching even if it is an election year. There's not a politician trying to fix God. There's not a pastor, a spiritual leader standing up going, well, I think I'm qualified. There's not even a biblical patriarch. No Moses. No Abraham. No Isaac. No Jacob. No David. No Daniel. No Job. No Paul. No Peter. None are standing up saying, I think I can. They're not worthy. The question was not who was willing. The question was, who was worthy? There's a lot of people that probably were willing to take a shot. But there's nobody except Jesus Christ that was worthy to fulfill the call. Hitler, Napoleon, Alexander the Great, they were all willing to strive and partially achieve conquering the earth. But even they weren't worthy to unscroll the scrolls of heaven. Civilization to this day has yet to produce anyone worthy to open this book except one. Great cultural centers, educational institutions have fallen short in the production of someone worthy to take the scroll. What do you mean, preacher? Some things have never changed. Even though the book of Revelation is apocalyptic and, and liter apocalyptic literature and foretelling and tells about the future things, it also has some Right now, implications. There have, since the foundations of time, Brother Marion, been wickedness on this earth. From the Tower of Babel, to Adam and Eve, to the wickedness of Noah's day, where there was everybody was drunk and debauchery. All throughout history, there have been times of pervasive wickedness. We're living in no different. Society now is no different. We now confiscate Bibles to pass out birth control. Hello? I didn't know that I, I didn't know that we weren't, I didn't know that I went to the wrong church this morning. I thought we still were Church of God. I thought I had a cross and a flame. I thought the Holy Spirit burned bright in our hearts. I thought we were a talkative group that we talked back. Today I went to a, to a, a, a self-help speech class where everybody's just waiting for self-help today. We've confiscated Bibles to pass out Birth control so that we can let you live in sin but not have to face the consequences of your actions. 
Thank you. Now I feel better. This is going to be a long day if we don't help each other. Because the more you amen, that gives me a chance to catch my breath. We defend the rights of rodents, insects, and whales while we support abortions on demand and the loss of sanctity of life. But we'll protect a gerbil. We'll protect a whale. But we won't protect an unborn child. We have $100,000 fines for the endangerment of a bald eagle. But we'll let you kill your baby for free. Come on, somebody. There is still a wickedness in this world today. We have failed to teach the infallible truth that every man, woman, boy, or girl was created by a master designer we had, who had purpose and plans specifically for their lives. He made no mistake in what gender he created them. He knew exactly who he called them to be. Even in their mother's womb, he fearfully and wonderfully made, knit them together in perfect union. But yet today we support gender transformation, sexual role confusion, referring to self as non-binary, promote the acceptance of identifying as animals and inanimate objects, and try to discredit the creativity of a creator. Dreadful wickedness. No wonder this civilization there is no one who can step forward and take the book out of the right hand of an almighty God. We can't find real men to take their place as priests, prophets, protectors, and providers of home because they can't decide if they want to be a man anymore. I'm going to preach whether you stay church of God or not. My voice may not be holding, but my energy is spot on right now. We can't find real women to teach the next generation how to walk, how to talk, how to live, and how to dress because they don't know how to do it. And then we want to know why is our world the way it is. Because we have allowed a dreadful spirit of Jezebel wickedness to drive the cart while we sit on the sidelines and welcome her arrival. It's time for the church to stop applauding sin and start, comp uh, start condoning the sin. It's time for us to stop worshiping the sinner and realize we all need to have a savior. It's time for us to come off the sidelines of, well, I don't want to ruffle some feathers and realize that Jesus Christ himself said, I come to bring a sword to divide family against family, to divide nation against nation. My house shall be called a house of prayer. I'm not, I'm not preaching to you today because I need more followers on our Facebook or our YouTube channel. I don't care if I have 5,000 followers. I don't give a flip if somebody makes a TikTok video of me. I don't care if there's a 1,000 people that says, oh, man, you need to go check out that church in Berkeley County. I'm not preaching the gospel to be your friend. I'm trying to save you from hell and you know what Jesus said when you preach it like that you're going to lose friends and you know what that's probably a good thing because most of the people that want to be my friends are not true friends after all they'll be like a blood sucking leech they'll take everything they can from you and then when you, they can't get no more out of you they'll drop you as quickly as possible my Bible tells me there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He says he'll never leave me nor forsake me. I'm here today to tell you that I don't need anybody but Jesus. I love my wife. I love my child. I love this church. But I'm telling you if everything else falls apart, as long as I got Jesus, I'll be all right. I'll be all right. 
there's a dreadful wickedness. But there's also the dominant worthiness of Christ. Nobody was more qualified than the Lord. Notice what he said. There is a couple things I want to point out. One of those happens to do, look at the power of this lamb. Notice the description. He's a lion. King of the jungle. Mighty. When we see a lion, the first thing we think about is his majestic mane. His ferocious roar. His ability to command attention in the jungle. The lion is not the biggest animal in the jungle, but he's the most feared animal in the jungle. The elephant is bigger, but he will not mess with the lion. The rhinos are bigger, but they will not cross the lion. The giraffes are taller, but they will not cross the lion. Because one thing the lion has on its side is it walks with confidence. It never backs down. You don't see a lion going up. No. It's majestic with its mane. It stands erect and tall. As it walks through the grass of the savanna, it keeps its head up high. And it walks with a pomp and a circumstance and an aura that commands respect and dignity and honor. And when something gets out of line, it roars that will instill fear that will stop everything in the jungle on impact when it speaks. Can I tell you that there is one in heaven when he steps up off of the throne room and he says, Stop! Heaven shuts up. Hell shuts up. Because nobody else commands the room when the roar of heaven steps up from the throne room. When the Lamb of God, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, when he says, Shh! No one dares to cross him. No one says, but, but wait a minute, I've got something I like to say. Angels will cower down. Hell will shut her down. Everything will come under subjection because he is worthy. The Bible said on his thigh says King of Kings. On the other side of his vestal says Lord of Lords. He'll come riding with pomp and circumstance on a white horse bearing a sword in his, in his hand. He's going to be King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Alpha and Omega beginning and the end. Listen, there's no one like the Lord. He is dominant and worthy and everything should bow down the Bible said every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Christ the Lord we should start practicing that down here so we'll be ready to do it up there he's worthy the root of David verse 6 tells us he had seven horns that represented power the number seven seven eyes that represented knowledge we also notice that he had a certain position he was in the middle of the throne. The Bible said in the midst of the throne. Not everybody gets to sit in the first chair. God did not come to play second fiddle. If he's not in the first chair, he's not sitting in the chair. See, there are some of us in our lifetime that we have the proverbial thrones of our lives, our hearts. We try to decide how our lives are going to go. One of the things I don't always like about my job is that sometimes, inevitably, I have to sit in this chair. I have an advisory board, I have a council, I have people that are on committees, but ever so often, 
I don't like being this way. I tell my wife all the time, I hate when I have to do this. But every so often, it doesn't really matter what everyone else says. Every so often, Brother Corey, sometimes I have to sit in the chair because that's the chair I'm supposed to sit in. I may not have to like the decision I'm about to make, but it's the chair that I'm supposed to sit in. And in our hearts and in our lives, we have a throne of our hearts. And I'm going to tell you that you can leave the chair vacant. But if you don't let Jesus sit there, the devil will make sure he finds the chair. He'll make sure, well, you know what? I see an empty chair in the room. Let's just go ahead and pop a squat. The devil is not a gentleman. He is not going to get up and say, oh, ladies, would you like to have a chair? Please be seated. The devil is manipulative, vindictive, deceptive, abusive, cunning, conniving, deceitful. There's nothing about him that says nice, loving, merciful, gracious. He parades himself like an angel of light with beauty, but he's got wickedness in his hands. And if you leave the chair, Brother Wayne, unattended, he'll sit down and he'll start to get comfortable in the throne. Ooh, this chair's kind of plush. It feels good. And once you let him sit here, it is hell or high water to get him out of it. But some of us in this room and some of us online and some of us that may watch this service later, you need to have an eviction notice. You need to tell him that this property is under new management and I can't help what the old regime did. This is a new regime. And the rent is not up for renewal. The lease is not up for renewal. Some of us need to say, you've lived here long enough. Now it's time for you to pack your bags, get up out of my house, get up out of my children, get up out of my grandchildren, get up out of my marriage, get up out of my finances, get up out of my job, get up out, God, I feel it. get up out of my church because you're trying to tear my church apart. Get up out of my church. Go to hell back where you belong and leave me and my church alone. Leave me and my family alone because as for me and my house and my church and my kids and my girl, as for me and my house, we're serving the Lord. That's whose property we're under. And when you let him get out, the Holy Ghost will say, well, you know what? On second thought, I'll sit down for a minute. The only difference is when the Holy Ghost shows up, everything changes in the room. You don't have to worry about property management anymore. He knows how to run the property just fine because he helped create the property. You see the dominant worthiness of Christ. He is sitting on the throne, in the midst of the throne. Why didn't John see it before? Why did he notice it before? The same reason you and I don't notice it. We get too busy of what's trying to focus on what's to the right and to the left of us that we don't realize he's been in the midst of it all the entire time. Jesus didn't just show up, he was in the midst, but John was looking to the right and saw the scroll and the left to see who was talking. You and I get so busy, we're looking to the right and to the left to see what's happening when Jesus has been the center of it all. When the three Hebrew boys got thrown into the fire, they weren't looking behind them to see what Nebuchadnezzar was doing. They got thrown in the fire. They found out Jesus was in the midst of it all. He was already waiting for their arrival. He was in the midst of it all. When you put him in the center of it all, things change. The prerogative of the lamb. I'm going to stop here and I'll pick up part two next week. Miss Carol, if you make your way. I want to be prudent on time. 
the dominant worthiness of Christ from a prerogative standpoint is this. How could someone be so worthy when no one else was worthy? And I'll pick up for your note taker. We'll pick up right there next week on the prerogative and finish out the second part of this seals. But you understand something though. If we don't get to it next week, the week after, we're going to tell you the seven seals he broke. Not all of the seven seals he broke were pleasantful seals. They weren't lovey-dovey like, oh, Brother Mike, I'm going to give you a Ferrari. Bless the seals. It wasn't like he was going to my wife and tell her, hey, you should really let the preacher buy that Thunderbird that he found online. It's a true story. I did find one. I found a white one. Hard top, convertible style, hard top, immaculate, low priced, low miles, red interior. It looks like something that would speak to me. I literally showed her the computer and she said, we're not even discussing that. That's no. Now I'm going to be stuck in a Honda Sea Odyssey or a minivan for soccer moms because I can't get a Thunderbird. (laughs) It wasn't like all the seals were lovey-dovey. They weren't seals to make me feel good about myself. I'm not going to go through them, but they were seals like the four horsemen of the apocalypse coming to do destruction on the earth. To rid wickedness out of the earth. See, the dominant seat, the dominant chair, the dominant worthiness of Christ. See, there's people that have been saved for a long, long time. Over the course of time, you've kind of picked up some spiritual barnacles. You've been sailing on the seas of life. The longer you've sailed on the seas, riding along with those Navy SEALs, the longer you've sailed the seas, the more things they have tried to attach to your vessel. Every so often, a boat has to go into port. and There are people there, their job is to rid all of the stuff off the side of the boat. The barnacles, the algae, the the things that are causing the boat because it can affect the effectiveness of its navigation in the water. It doesn't take a lot, but if enough barnacles attach, it can actually slow not only the vessel down, but cause the vessel to not operate in its full functioning capabilities, even though there's sometimes just small things. So what people have to do that are for that job, they have to go out there and they have to scrape them off and get them off and wash it off and get all that stuff off so that it's not still attached to the vessel. Some of us in this room have been saved for 20, 30, 40 years. We've sailed the seas of life. We've navigated tumultuous seasons. But over time, the enemy has allowed things to attach to our vessels. Not intentionally, but they just, we may not even notice it, but one thing after another just kind of got us off course. And there are certain things in our lives that have had our vessels start to slow down a little bit. Not just physical health, I'm talking spiritually now. We don't run the race with the same passion we used to run it. We don't look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, with the same passion that we once had and the longing in our eyes. We don't still desire heaven with an anticipation like we once used to when we'd sing the songs of going home. Because the barnacles of life have attached themselves and have derailed me. But what the Holy Spirit is so good at is He's good at bringing you into port and saying, you know what? 
I know these last few months have been tumultuous. The last few years have been hard. The last week has been hell. The last month has been disastrous. But when he pulls you to church, for my church is the port of call. See, these Navy SEALs get on these boats and they do their thing, but ever so often they have to come home to a port, a port of call. You go Monday through Saturday sailing the seas of life, but God allows you on Sunday to come home to the port of call. And what happens is he brings you and he says, all right, Mike, it's been a long week. So I'm going to bring you to church on Sunday and I'm going to have you sit right here. While you're sitting there listening to Sister Sherry and them lead worship, and while you listen to a preacher battling laryngitis, it sounds like he's got a smoker's voice. You don't even realize it, but while you're sitting there, what I'm doing is I'm cleaning you off, Mike. I'm getting rid of some barnacles. Oh, I know that job this week was hard. You know what, Mike? We're going to make it another week because I'm going to clip that one off. I know that the seas, I know the seas this week have been boisterous. That's all right. I'm getting you a new navigation. I'm charting a new path. We're charting a new course. We're going to navigate around the storm. And if we go through the storm, don't worry. I specialize in storm watching. I specialize in navigating storms. So you know what? I'll drive the boat this week while we're in the storm. So you just let me keep working. And what happens is the Holy Spirit, you don't even know it. He's cleaning you off. Getting rid of all the debris. You just keep singing. All my life you've been faithful. And while you sing it, I'm going to show you how faithful I've really been. When you say, all my life you've been good, I'm going to show you how good I really am. When you, when you sing things like, we shall see the king. Oh, Mike, you don't really know how long that's about to be before you get to see me face to face. When you see things like, I thank God, oh, you don't realize how much you need to be thankful for. When you, when you sing things, oh, how I love Jesus, you don't even know, Mike, how much I loved you first. When you sing things like, God is so good, you really don't realize how good I've really been, Mike. And what he does is he starts scraping and he starts cleaning the vessel so that when you get up to go out on Monday morning, you're a new man. You just start walking, you get back on the sea and you start navigating the road and you start going where you need to go. And what happens is once that happens, Mike says, well, that's great. That's wonderful. I'm feeling real good. You know what I love about the Lord? The Bible said he's no respecter of persons. So what he does is he says, well, you know what? I know you got a new job coming up. And I know it's scary. And I know there's things you don't understand. And I know there's a lot. But you know what? I'm going to go before you. I'm going to make rivers in the wastelands. I'm going to put seas in the wilderness. I know you don't know who's going to be in the job with you. But I'm going to walk through the door with you. I know you don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. But I'm the God of tomorrow. So I know what's in tomorrow before you get to tomorrow. And then what he does is he starts grabbing people. The Holy Spirit starts leading people. And before long, you start getting people together. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit says, well, you know what? The Bible said if two or three agree, it's touching any one thing. He's in the midst. And what the Spirit of the Lord starts doing is he starts building a nucleus. He starts building us an army. He starts building him a SEAL team. A Navy SEAL team. And before long, we call it altar call service. But before long, we stand before the great commander-in-chief. And we say, Lord, whatever you have for my life, I'm willing to walk in it. I'm willing to do it. And before it's all said and done, we leave here empowered. We leave here equipped. And we leave here ready to change the world for Jesus Christ.
Now I'm going to get in trouble because my wife is sitting in, sitting in the center of this room. So please pray for me today. But here's how I want to end it today. I know there may be someone in here who doesn't know Jesus. And if you don't, the simple thing is you just say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I messed up. But I know that you are the Savior, and I want you to be Lord and Savior of my life. Please forgive me. It's that simple, and you can be saved. And if you don't know how to do it and you feel uncomfortable here in a moment, you can come, and I will help you through that process. But I know for a fact, God did not give me this word because... He had nothing better to do yesterday. <clears throat> I was at, Brianna had to be at an event. Mike and I went home. I was up to about 1 o'clock in the morning, still putting this thing together, just trying to get the right voice from the Lord to get this right. I finally laid down and fell asleep around 4 a.m., tossing and turning. God, is this right? God, is this right? God, is this right? devil has fought me all week long he's trying to take my voice from me and I told him in the car this morning I don't care if I have to write it on a whiteboard bring a whiteboard I'm going to tell these people God's word with or without your help now I may leave here today and tonight I might just wave at you with sign language because there may not be a voice but you're going to hear from God before you leave today this is how I felt like God wanted me to end this some of you in this room maybe watching online and, and God's no, he's not short he can go to where you are online he can go with you there's some of you in this room you picked up some barnacles along your journey I'm not saying you don't love Jesus I'm telling you you're slowing down for Jesus instead of staying on full speed ahead for Jesus because things have gotten you off course I'm not saying you're a sinner I'm telling you you're just kind of veering a little bit and, and you're slowing down because everything in life is trying to hinder you from getting there slowing down and I come by to tell somebody today that God sent me by 1211 North Highway 52 to tell you you are at the port of call and there's one called the Holy Ghost here today that is ready and willing and wants to help clean off some of that stuff off of you right now so that when you go back out to the seas of life tomorrow you'll sail full speed ahead you'll sail with no issues because the Lord will be on your side and is going to go before you he's going to lead and guide you he wants to just clean out some of that stuff off of you today Here's what I want to do. I'm going to really be almost brassy, I guess you could say, real, real counter, you know, counter than what you see at a traditional altar call. You can you sit right there with my brother Mike. You look, you look great, but I know you ain't going to sit there the whole time. You guys ain't moving. Stand there and look like sergeants at arms ready to take out anybody. I should have brought Brother Shane up here because ain't nobody going to attack me if he's standing beside me. I promise you. Here's what I want to do. Now you listen to this preacher. I know the time. I get it. The good news is you don't have to hear me for another week. My wife gets to hear me in about 30 minutes. <laughs> but if you today Say, Pastor, I've got some things that have attached to me. I'm not saying I'm not saying you're a sinner. I'm just saying there's some things that have attached to me and slowed me down on this spiritual journey. I've got some things that are like barnacles on my vessel of life. When I was a kid, my parents pastored a church. 
They had at 5 o'clock on Sunday nights, they had a thing called prayer meeting. I know that's counterintuitive. We don't even know what that is anymore. There was many times in the prayer meeting, people wouldn't get out of church about 6 o'clock. They'd end up coming in at 6.15 or something, and they just bring their prayer meeting into church with them. They had this thing in the prayer room. They called it a hot seat. Just one chair. Just a chair. And what they would do is they'd say, you know what? If you need something, take a seat. I just told you about a commander-in-chief that was the only one that had the dominant worthiness to sit on the seat. What would happen, Brother Corey, is when they would sit down, there'd be another person in the chair with them when they sat down. They didn't sit down in a padded seat alone. They sat down on the lap of their father. They sat down in the Spirit of God. So I don't care how long it takes me. I don't really care if I get to go to lunch. But I'm going. To, I'm not going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. and Let's try to not let the person to the right or to the left of us see us. Because what did I just tell you? We get too concerned about what's happening to the left and to the right that we miss that he's in the center of it all. The Bible says there are cherubims and seraphims that stand on each side of him. And all they do is say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. 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 So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to ask that if you have a need, you say, Pastor, I have a spiritual moment that I need God. I'm going to ask you to come sit on this front pew. And I'm going to one by one put you in this chair and we're going to pray for God to show up in your life. I don't care where you are. Just come sit right here. We'll, we'll, We'll do it one at a time. Just come sit on the pew. We'll do it together. Brother Mike, I'm going to ask you to switch with Brother Randy. That spot, Brother Randy, just stay right there beside Brother Mike. You'll stand by Brother Wayne. Do you have, to be shared, do you have yours with you? Your, your blue one? You're right, you got it with you, your microphone by you? Okay, you, you can go from right there. I think it should be in the system. The word should be in the system. Let's go to the course for me. What we're going to do is while we're praying for them, you're going to hear this praise team be angels and seraphims and cherubims because the angels say holy holy is Lord you're going to hear the angels while we're praying saying you are worthy of it all Lord you are worthy of it all for from you are all things and to you are all things you deserve yeah. the glory yeah go ahead let's just sing it just in case somebody else needs to come you are worthy you, you are worthy of it all Oh yeah, oh yeah he is, yes he is, yes it is, for from you are all things, yeah. to you are all things, all right, let's go. you deserve the glory, all right, wait, wait, just stand right here, don't sit, all right church, here we go, there's nothing special about what's about to happen other than Jesus is in the house, come on, let's worship him, right, let's sit, Father in the name of Jesus, Right now, Lord, I ask you to come. From you are all things, to you are all things, you deserve the glory. You're worthy of it all. You're worthy of it all. For from you 
keep singing it, church. Who's next? Who's next? Father, in the name of Jesus.
truly worthy of it all Father there's not a man woman boy or girl in the sound of my voice that's worthy of anything comparable to you no singer no musician no preacher no leader no one in this room is even close in comparison to the splendor of heaven and the resplendent Christ of heaven Father I have done my very best today preach a word from heaven God you know my voice is not up to speed today I'm struggling but that's because the devil doesn't want us to know the kind of God we serve so devil before I close this service out I put you on notice good try good luck but you know what you did not accomplish the task you were sent to do because God came by and he accomplished the task. So you can just go back to the pits of hell where you belong. And you can leave this church. You can leave our families. You can leave our kids. Our grandkids. Our marriages. Our finances. Our church. You can leave us alone. And you can go find somebody else to bother. Because we're under a different type of management. We work for the King of Kings. And the Lord of Lords. Our property owner is the commander of heaven's host of heaven's armies. Our, our, our commander in chief is the one that's flung the stars in the sky and put galaxies in the space. Lord, I believe today that you are with us and go before us and behind us and beside us everywhere we go. So devil, you can leave us alone. Because as for me, my house and this house, we're serving the Lord. And that's just a fact of the matter. Now, Father, may you bless us and keep us. And make your face shine upon us and be gracious to us and lift up your countenance towards us and give us a peace of God that surpasses all understanding. Guard our hearts till we come again. Let the words of our mouth and meditation of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our strength and redeemer, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Will you remain standing for the benedictory prayer? Kind Heavenly Father, we do thank you and praise your holy name for this opportunity to come before you, Lord. We thank you for touching our shepherd today, allowing him.